Hi, my friends. This is Word Made Digital, and I am your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is Season 3, Episode 16. This week on the podcast, we have Joy Egeridge-Reed, and she is a speaker, an author, agent. That's right. She is an agent for people who speak and write books, and she leads punchline speakers along with a team of other agents who work with her. And so she's going to be helping us understand the world of professional speaking and Christian publishing, and maybe you dream of writing a book or getting a deal with a book publisher one day or being able to speak and make a living as a speaker. Joy's going to help us out, give us some insight into the world of professional communications and how to kind of demystify some things with some practical practical steps that you can take. So thanks so much to our partners and sponsors, Fluid, Compassion, and Wycliffe College who make season three possible. Fluid, the Young Adults Gathering is happening really soon on Saturday, March 7th, 2020 in Toronto. If you're in the Toronto area and you're a young adult, you can join the largest young adults conference in Canada. 2020 guests include best-selling author Rebecca Lyons. We've got musician Shane and Shane, Pastor Mark Clark, and a ton more. I'm going to be there. I go every year. If you're going to be there, I'd love to know. Go to fluidgathering.com to get your tickets, check out more information. But also, if you're going to be there, message me, DM me. I'd love to know so we can make sure to meet up when we're both there. Thanks also, of course, to Compassion. Compassion connects people across Canada with children living in extreme poverty around the world. So this year alone, more than 80,000 Canadians are part of this life-changing reality of sponsorship. It's amazing. They're actually helping transform the lives of 111,000 children around the world, like a whole city worth of children who are living in poverty. I mean, if, if all the children were living in the same place, it'd be the size of a city. That's how many people in Canada are making an impact for people who are living living in poverty. There's so many ways though you can get involved and I've been learning a ton about that myself this year and Compassion's hope is really to see the lives of children in extreme poverty transform but also our lives change and so there's lots of ways that we can have our lives transformed through the work of Compassion. So it's not just about giving your money, uh, it's actually about giving um, also your time is a way that you can do that. And so I want to let you know that beyond just sponsoring a child or giving to an urgent need, you can volunteer at an event. I don't know if you know, but there is an amazing event coming up across Canada. Compassion is partnering with Fort King and Country in their Canadian tour coming up in March 2020, and it's got cities across Canada on its list. But tickets are completely sold out basically at this point. And so one of the only ways to get into the concert would be if you were volunteering with Compassion. So if you didn't get a ticket, but you want to volunteer, you want to go to the King and Country show on their Canadian tour in Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, I want you to email volunteer at compassion.ca to find out more about how you can get involved and make an impact and be changed yourself through the work of Compassion. But hey, you know what? If concerts aren't your thing, there's lots of other ways to get involved in serving and volunteering with Compassion in our countries and then around the world. Compassion.ca slash volunteer is how you can find out more about that. And of course, I always have a link for international listeners, people from US, Australia, UK. I know people are listening all over the world. Compassion is working in all these countries and I have a link for you to check that out. Finally, my friends at Wycliffe College, who I love, the school that I attended for my master's in theology. They are a seminary that offers certificates and master's and doctoral programs, and they're conjointly with the University of Toronto. So you get a degree from one of the top universities in the world. It's one of the reasons I chose to go there, is because I get a University of Toronto degree, and it's such a reputable degree. But whether you want to take a course, or you want to go full-time, part-time, whatever it is, I love that Wycliffe is a place that's all about discipleship. They shape and grow discipleship 
disciples of Jesus, and they're equipping women and men of all ages to participate in God's mission, whether that's in a formal ministry context or in other kinds of work and life that they're doing. You can learn and grow as a disciple at Wycliffe College. It's surprisingly affordable. And if you want to know more about why I chose it, you can go to wycliffecollege.ca slash wordmadedigital and you can find out more about the school. All right, here's my conversation with Joy Egridge-Reed. I think you're going to love it. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 3, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Joy Egerich, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I um, am glad to see you on the on the internet today over Skype. The last time we saw each other, though, it was a bit more beautiful. We were in your city of Paris, France together, and that was much nicer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was how our relationship, our relationship began, really. It was in person. I feel like there's a lot of people that I kind of meet over the internet um, and know for a while, but this was like we had a mutual friend that was like, hey, you guys should get lunch, and we did, and hit it off. Here we are. So I want to deep dive with you today into the world of really the, I think the mystery behind what you do. Um, maybe not so much all your, you know, secret, uh, business tech tactics, but more like what the heck is a speaker agent, a writing (laughs) agent? What do you do for people? But, um, maybe before we get into what that actually looks like, what, what does it actually even mean to be a speaker agent or a book agent? Yeah, well, it's, um, I, you know, I think each agent has a different approach. Um, I can tell you a little bit about the industry um, and specifically the industry that I find myself in the most. But yeah, three years ago, I started a, it started off as a speaking agency called Punchline Speakers. Um, And on the side, because of kind of the world that I've been in for the last 15 years, um, I was doing a couple literary projects so that you'd be a literary agent. Um, and so that's punchline is now growing into being punchline agency, which will have these two branches of a speaking agency and a literary agency. So basically what we do is that on the literary side, um, you know, publishers get, you know, they don't want to get inundated with everyone and their brother who wants to write a book. And because there's so much legal, uh, that goes on with getting a book deal. They want to be having a middle person that knows the contracts, knows all the ins and outs of the industry so that we as an agent can be kind of the middle person. It's also great for writers because they have an advocate. I mean, most people in this, they're like super big narcissists don't want to be like, this is why my book is so great. And this is why you should give me a book deal. And let me tell you all about it. Um, cause they're writers and they're thinkers. And so it takes a certain type of um, personality that really wants to not only pitch and like be somebody's cheerleader, but also get into the nitty gritty and fight for the fine, fine details of a, of a contract. So that's the literary side, um, the speaking agent side. And as you know, the world that you work in, there's so much crossover today for, um, speaking and writing. It used to be, I'm so, I'm an author and you just, go away to your cabin and you write your book. Um, and maybe no one's ever even seen your face. Um, but today, <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
today it's like if you're if you've got a profound message you get a book deal um or if you've written an incredible book people ask you to come speak so those two worlds just collide um so there's a lot of crossover and i've seen that and that's why i'm doing more and more in both spaces um so being a speaking agent is very similar um, although both worlds are evolving, the way a speaking agency works today oftentimes is there's someone who, you know, speaks and they need someone to manage kind of their incoming request. They need someone to, again, negotiate on their behalf um, and make sure that everything's in place so that they can have a successful event and they're not having to deal with all those details of only green M&Ms in the, the green room. <laughs> Um, so, I, mean, you, I mean, people joke about that kind of stuff, but in your, in your, have you ever seen a rider for someone like a, you know, the contract for someone that has something very specific like that? Well, that isn't I, you know, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I can joke about her, but Caitlin Beatty is one of my speakers and I've pushed my speakers to say, Hey, what do you want? A lot of these events want to like have something that you want. All of my speakers are amazing people and they're very gracious and would, you know, take water from a well, I'm sure. But because I get asked this, I'm like, just tell me some things that you like. Well, so Caitlin was like, I love Flamin' Hot Cheetos and LaCroix. <laughs> so <literally laughs> for the past like two years, every speaking event, she like takes a picture and it's like Flamin' Hot Cheetos and LaCroix. So she's not a diva, but I've kind of, uh, I, I made that happen for her. <laughs> you know, that, that sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, um, I just heard the story. I was at Willow Creek Church this week, and I just heard the story of the guy who invented the Flaming Hot Cheetos, which was apparently like a custodial guy from the Cheeto company. And he would go home at night with like the, I guess you could get giant sample bags or something, and he'd go home and he and his wife would experiment with flavors. And then the see this is an off topic, but it's interesting. No, it it's a leadership it's a leadership <laughs> lesson, a leadership lesson within this podcast. And so this guy would go home and experiment. And um the flaming hot Cheeto flavor, he I think ultimately he knew this was a good one. Yeah. And the CEO said that he had an open door policy and this custodian took him on his word and like went to his office with the flaming wow. hot Cheetos and I mean, long story short, he's now like the head of innovation at whatever wow. the Cheeto co- or whoever owns Cheetos. I don't know who owns yeah. Cheetos. Hostess, that that cheetah. That cheetah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the cheetah. That's who had the open door policy. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, and I think that's a, a testament also to a company's generosity. I mean, I, maybe generosity is a big stretch, but like to just be like, hey, you know, you guys can take this stuff home with you. You can come and talk to us, you know, not being stingy resulted in. Flaming Hot Cheetos, which the world would not be the same without. The world thanks him for it. (laughs) Okay, so how did you, uh, you're already hinting at some things that I want to get at in in regards to like how the world is changing. And I think I would imagine a lot of that is like because of this digital context that we live in and um, self-publishing and social media and all this kind of stuff that is affecting the life of a working public figure or a writer or a speaker. But for you, how did you even get into this in the first place? Yeah, well, it has, as I said, it's been 15 years, um, which is a long time. I, after I was a communication studies major uh, in college, I went to a small liberal, liberal arts college. And it was interesting because I'd never felt like, uh, I never felt, really at home in academia. You know, I always felt like, man, everybody's getting all this stuff before me. And then I sat in my first 
calm class. And I was like, ah, <laughs> and I just loved it. I, I love, I grew up, my, my father was a pastor. And so I was around public speaking. Um, and I think just we, uh, at my school, it was communication studies, not for like necessarily like focus on, you know, being a TV reporter or anything like that, but it was the, the art of human communication, rhetoric and things like that. And I just loved it. And after college, um, simultaneously, my father wrote a book, um, that a marriage book called love and respect. And it kind of took off, uh, right when I got out of college and my parents had gone from speaking to groups of, you know, 20 to 30 people, um, to hundreds and thousands of people. And so they, um, needed help and, um, realized quickly that I had some administrative skills and I was like, I think I can put together this conference handbook for you. And I came up with this like 30 page handbook for conferences to host and have everything like dialed in. And then I would go to all the conferences and I got to continue watch my father, who I think is one of the best communicators. Um, and just was in the world of churches and events and saw how events ran. Um, and then a few years after that, um, I almost got married. Uh, and then I did not, <laughs> and I was in a really low place and I took some time off. I went to, have you heard of Labrie? Yeah. yeah. I went to Labrie to just be depressed with a bunch of other emo Christians who are trying to find their way. <laughs> and, um, but not a bad place to do it. It's just like, no, it's, it's, beautiful. it's like your my room. Well, ironically, the first week I was there, I broke my ankle. Um, and oh, so then no. I just was laying in this bed. Um, with I said, a broken ankle and a broken heart looking out at the Alps. <laughs> um, but it was, it was such a gift of a time because I was just kind of like, okay, Lord, you know, what, what are you doing with my life and, um, what do you want me to do? And ironically, yeah. when people would find out that I had worked for this marriage ministry, people would come to me at my bedside <laughs> because I was an invalid and started talking to me about relationships. And I realized, even though I was in the middle of this kind of broken um, place in my own life and feeling like, I don't even know if I have hope for marriage. Um, I, because of the work my parents had done, I felt like I had wisdom to give these, you know, 20 somethings about their relationships. And so out of my own brokenness, I came back from Labrie and I told my parents, I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I feel like we heard so often at the conferences, people saying, I wish I would have known this 20 years ago. Um, so I said, maybe I can get this to our generation so they don't have to say, if only I knew then what I know now. So then I started a division for relationships and getting this message to 18 to 35 year olds. And out of that, my own blogging and video blogs. And I just got into that world of speaking. And so, and then I got a book deal, which I ended up in the final hour sending my advance back. That's a whole other story. But through that process, my dad had told me, he's like, I think you can do your, I think you could be an agent. Why don't you try to agent your own book? And so I did, and I found out that I really liked that process and understand I, I oddly like contracts. <laughs> it's weird, but I do. Um, and I realized I could do it for other people. And then I had been in the speaking world and built all these relationships. And so fast forward, I did that for, I did the conferences for several years, and then I did this for about eight years. And then I was in this place where I was like, okay, um, you know, I think I can put a bow on, on that work, um, but I'm ready to do something different. And I was still my father's literary agent and I was booking some speaking engagements for him. And so I had other people from that world say, Hey, would you do this for me? And so then that's how three years ago, punchline speakers started. 
Was that a longer uh, answer? No, this is great. I, I just learned. I knew some of your story, but I've I'm learning as well as I listen to your story. I didn't know all the bits of that, so that's really neat. Yeah. It um, does. It just weaves together so much. That it's kind of like, well, it's it's my profession, but it also is so connected to my personal. Yeah. Well, and I think also with that, it's a story of most people is, you know, how do we end up in the career or the direction we're going? It's a series of, of lots yeah. of things that meander us. I don't think most people when they are kids say, I want to be a literary agent or a, you know, a speaker. <laughs> it's not usually how it goes. Uh, I mean, maybe Jerry Maguire, uh, wanted yeah. to be a sports <laughs> agent, if that's a reference people know. Um, so I know, I know that for you, like you're not looking for new clients, you, you know, you have a full roster, you're a really boutique agency, but if you were looking for people to take on, um, could you help people understand maybe just cause if they're, they're not with you, but maybe with a different agent, you know, what are, what are the, how does someone even get an agent? Like, are, are they yeah. supposed to just wait to be found? Do they go knocking on doors? Yeah. Uh, how does that relationship begin if you were beginning a new one? Yeah. So I always say Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the way it works is that, um, you know, you find agents, whether it's speaker, speaking or literary, and they'll often tell you on their site if they're accepting applications and then what they want from you. So I will say specifically for literary Um, they will often have a very specific guideline of this is what you need to send us for us to consider. And if you don't follow that, they will not consider it because that's just a marker that you're not going to read directions or like follow through on things. So it's, it's not complicated in that regard, but you can send, you know, you can apply to several different, um, agents and see who responds, um, And then I think for a speaking agent, again, as I mentioned, the world is in both regards is changing so much, but like it used to be that a speaking agency, you know, if you could get listed on a speaking agency that was the place where someone would find a speaker, you know, whether it's a business or a church or an event, they had an agency that they worked with. But now because of social media and platforms, so many, um, you know, events that want you will just go to that person's website or their Instagram account and direct message them. And some speakers have in-house teams that can do that themselves. Others would prefer to be, you know, with a group like ours that can do all this on their behalf and they don't have to deal with it and their team can work on other things. Um, and so it is a little bit different in that we, we really are at capacity of just like managing people that have inquiries already, but there are, because of our relationship building, we now have, events that we can pitch to, you know, multiple speakers and things like that. Um, and so it's not that we're, our door is completely closed, but we are more boutique And so we have to be really careful yeah. with the type of commitments we take on. We Right now, it's just myself and Holly. Um, and Holly is really spearheading the speaking side of things so that I can do the literary. We are bringing on some other agents um, to be able to help support that. Uh, and so it might, we might have more openings in the future, but really if you're a speaker that you're like, I'm getting requests and I, I need help with that. We, we potentially can do that. Now, if you're a speaker, that's like, I want to get more speaking engagements, <coughs> excuse me, if you can cut that out, um, that's a different thing. That is again, because of the day and age that we live in. And I know this is something that you talk about, but just your digital platform it is you kind of and it feels especially if you are in a faith-based space punchline isn't only faith-based but that's kind of the world that i came up in so several of my speakers are in that space or have a faith background 
um, that it feels weird to kind of promote yourself because that feels contradictory to, you know, being a good Christian, right? <laughs> you know, to, yeah, to it's this yourself. awkward thing. It's, it's very awkward. Strange. And so I, yeah, I work with people a lot and I know you do too, of just like, okay, how do we balance this? How do we promote? And I think one of the simplest things that when I'm consulting and working with people that I say relationship determines response. And oftentimes, like when you're asked, like when someone says, Hey, could you help me with something? Or could you connect me with someone? You're not like upset about that. You know, you're actually like honored that they asked, you might not be able to help, but it's not like, you're like, oh man, Joanna asked me to make a connection for her, you know? But if you have like 20 people in your life that you're like, these are significant people who love me, who are cheering me on and want to connect me to whatever it is, like write a short email, not a novel, write a short email saying, this is what I'm working on. These are my three keynote talks and a few line descriptor about them. This is my website. Here's a clip of my talk, you know, something like that. If you have an organization or a business or a church or somewhere that you know might want to bring in a speaker, would you connect me to them? Hmm. That will help get momentum. Then you do events like that and you get photos of you speaking and then you post those things. And again, it, it might sound <clears throat> awkward to do, but it's also the communication mode that we live in. And so only you can know if your heart is really like gross in doing that. But if <laughs> yeah. your motivation is yeah. You're like, I have a message to share and I want to get it out. That that's, this is the way that we get that message out. Um, so use your relationships, but then as that momentum goes, then you can use the digital to go to a wider audience and say, this is what I'm doing. This is the message I have you. Cause you do that. You post videos, right? Yeah. But I think it's the challenge of, you know, I had a friend of mine, um, actually the girl that you met, it was yeah, a friend yeah, of mine yeah. who works with Bethel music. Um, so we both live in like a media world and, you know, I've spent most of my life doing this for other people. And now she's like, Joanna, you need to up your Instagram game. Like you got to <laughs> grow that account. And I'm like, I don't want to, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just an honest feeling of yeah. it's easier to do it for someone else or for a client, uh, for mm -hmm. a business, for a church that I serve. It's a yeah. lot more uh, I have a stranger relationship to it when it's about my own accounts. It's yeah. just, yeah. it's just different. And so I know that a lot of people feel that way and maybe that's, that's, um, you know, as they grow, maybe that's even in part what the agent does is speak on their behalf and take totally. away some of the, it's very, it's yes. a bit, it is a bit strange. It's a, to it's a both and yeah. Yeah. It's a both and because the agent wants to promote you, but they also need collateral to be able to promote you and go look, look at this person's website, look at the things that they're doing. Here's a clip of them speaking. But I would also say, ask yourself why, like, you know, you might be a pastor at a church and making an impact to thousands of people. And then all of a sudden you feel like, well, I, I, you know, this person I really admire is on the road speaking and they have a book deal. And so now I'm going to equate that with their successful because they're doing X, Y, Z. Well, the Lord may want you to be faithful to these thousand people that you're serving each Sunday. Like, so really ask yourself, why is it that I feel like I need to grow my platform? Some people do, because you might say, this is the space. These are the people that I feel like I need to reach. But just because everybody else is doing it doesn't necessarily mean that's your route and that's your path. I say that specifically to faith-based people. If you're just like straight up, you have a business, it's your own business, you have a product that you think is good you have a service that you think is good that 
this is just the world that we live in. And this it. is how we yeah. communicate. Yeah. It's like, pretend you, you're considering buying radio space. Pretend it's 1955 and you're going to invest in radio. Instagram websites, those are the new radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And, and, and it's getting around. I think, uh, that if you actually want to connect with an audience, you, you have to go out and talk to them. It's, it's, it's less about, and as you said, no one can know kind of your heart behind it, except you. We have to have people who love us, help us, you know, be a healthy person. But, but it's part of the thing today is having to get out there. And so, um, even with that, you know, when, when, um, you're working with this moving, uh, target of like the digital space and where people are spending their time online and how that all works. Um, what have you seen? Oh, you said for over 15 years, what have you seen as like the shifts, even in that, like what, um, events are looking for? What, um, you know, what publishing companies, especially, what are they looking for? Um, you know, someone only has, I don't know, 8,000 followers, a hundred followers. It's just an immediate no, if there's no social media presence, like what, what are people looking, what are the business side of things looking for? Yeah. So I, you know, with this, this woman that I've been working with, uh, you know, it's possible now that she's going to get a book deal and she doesn't have like a crazy huge platform, but her story is powerful. And so as an agent, I was willing to take a risk. Um, and a publisher is looking like it's willing to take a risk as well. Um, but for, for people who just to back up for people who might not even know, um, you know, kind of what it looks like with an agent, um, you don't pay an agent, uh, you, as far as I know, maybe there's agencies that do, but you, uh, you work with an agent, they're taking a risk on you. And then if you do get a book deal, uh, the traditional route will give you an advance. And so then the agent gets a percentage of that advance for their work. If you don't, if they don't get you a book deal, they don't get anything. Um, so that's the risk. Same thing with publishers there. They have to risk. They know that only a few of the books that they release might become New York times bestsellers. And they're taking a risk on potentially losing their investment on the others. And so they have a lot of things that they're calculating. So they're not completely heartless because they will still take on some of these smaller names or platforms. If the, the story and the message is really powerful, Um, but for the most part, they have to balance that with people that they can calculate, like this person has this many followers or they have this many people signed up in the newsletter or, and I would say one of the pieces of advice that I give to people is like, don't feel like you have to do every single platform. Don't feel like you have to do a newsletter and Instagram and all this. But if there's, if there's one or two lanes that you feel like you've seen the most traction in that feels the most natural to you, go after those hard build that up and that will look good to an agent or a publisher. Um, but then with this evolving, you know, space that we're in, like there's a lot of hybrid publishers or there's ways to self publish and hybrid publishers are kind of a mishmash. They, they don't, they're not traditional in the way that they'll give you an advance, but they have, you know, they work with places that can print your book for you. They can help sometimes with distribution, but you still retain, oftentimes you retain the rights to your book. So a lot of times I tell people that don't have a platform, why don't you start by doing a hybrid publisher or Amazon on demand self-publishing in some way? Um, because I've actually gotten book deals for people who have self-published and then sold a significant amount of their self-published book. And then I can take that number. That's not a platform number. That's a just, this is good. 
the message spread because the book was actually good, not because I had 100,000 Instagram followers. And now let me show you these numbers. Would you take a risk on this? And I've gotten book deals that way. Well, that's interesting. So being self-published first isn't going to like be a deterrent from a publisher later. Some publishers might say that. So I, okay. I have had one publisher okay. say, we don't publish anything that's already been published. But that's not the, that's not the case for most of the big publishing houses. Because if they see something's, something's working, again, they're yeah, a business. They, 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 they want to make, make it work it. on a bigger scale. Yeah. Um, can we talk about book proposals then? Um, what yes, we is can. it? What <laughs> is a book proposal? Um, if someone, does someone write an entire book and then send it around to people or what, what do they do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would recommend against that. If you've written a whole book, that's fine. That's great. Um, but the best thing again is to follow the rules on the agent's site, or if it's a hybrid publisher or self-publishing agency, they'll tell you what they want from you. Um, but typically a book proposal is a series of um, uh, you know, three sample chapters doesn't necessarily mean first, second, and third. It would be three chapters that you feel like really give a synopsis of the book. Um, a chapter outline. So what are all the sections or the chapters titled? Then a, you know, brief summary of each of those chapters. And then you're going to have to include a lot of things like your bio, your connections, like your platform numbers, um, you know, marketing plans, like who, you know, whose podcast would you be on? Would you be on Joanna's podcast? And how many followers does Joanna have listening to her podcast? Like as many numbers and things like that, that you can give them so that, because they might be really, you know, you might have an act. So an acquisitions editor is the person that I pitch to. So at a publishing house, there might be, you know, X amount of acquisitions editors, but I know maybe this acquisitions editor likes children's books and this acquisitions editor likes nonfiction and this acquisitions editor likes things that are a little edgier or this, you know, more theological. And so then I, I, as an agent have a library of agents or acquisitions editors at the publishing houses that I have relationships with. That's another huge advantage of having an agent because, uh, authors don't typically have those contacts. Right. So then we curate a list and we say, okay, Joanna, for your book, I have actually eight acquisitions editors that I think would be great for this project. That would be really excited about this project. And so then I send it to them and they might be equally stoked and just like so excited. But then what they have to do is they then have to take each, each publisher has um, a pub board meeting, which is a publishing board meeting once a month. And so when I pitch your book, I will give a five to six week deadline for offers back from the publisher because I know that that encompasses them meeting at least one time with their whole board. And they go then, so I've pitched on your behalf, then they pitch on our behalf to their whole team, and then they have to get their whole team on board, and then they typically have to go to the sales team, right. and then the sales team calculates. So it's just like layer after layer after layer. I mean. I just had an author here in Paris. We were working on her um, book proposal together and we were talking about timeline. I'm pitching it on Monday and we were like, yep. Yeah, okay. We were calculating everything. We we're like, okay, this will probably come out then in early 2022. Like that's how long this stuff takes. Yeah. And so that's okay. why it is nice to have an agent 
in the game with you. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that I'm, I'm imagining then as I'm hearing like the layers that this has to work through, the stronger and clearer the proposal that's created mm-hmm. up front, the more mm-hmm. likely the person, because now it's like five degrees of separation from you. Yeah. So if it doesn't, if it, it has to stand on its own, really, because you don't have then your trusted agent who really knows you personally advocating at that anymore, like it, at a yeah. certain point, it's it's out of their hands. Um, yeah. And it's the proposal that really carries, does the heavy lifting in those meetings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting world. <laughs> yeah. That's really, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't learn until probably just a couple of years ago myself, like, oh, like you don't just like sit and write a whole book and then send it around to people and hope that they like it. Like, actually, that's that's great news that you don't have to write the whole book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, as in the amount of time it would take to do that yeah. um, versus the proposal. I'm sure proposals take a huge amount of effort to make sure they're excellent. Um, but you've not put all of your heart into something that may or may not actually um, become something. Yeah, well, in the, the whole... And if you have written your whole book and you haven't done a proposal yet, don't lose heart that, you know, oh, if I don't get picked up traditionally, um, that you can't self-publish. So I hope that that thing of like, if you self-publish and it sells really well, that also doesn't close the door from being traditionally published. Because a lot of people just want that stamp of approval of like, hey, I've got the little penguin on the binding of my book, you know. Um, But I think that uh, what's great if you only have written a few chapters, as you said, is that if you find like the concept of an advance. So if you get a book deal, most publishers give you, a, a, an advance, which is money to help support you in the time that it takes to write the rest of your book. That's the concept of an advance. And just so people know that's money that you it's, it's advanced royalty money. So that's not just like straight out money. For you to even start getting royalties later on, um, you have to earn uh, your ro- your advance back. Does that make sense? Right. So, yeah. so <laughs> I I think I saw uh, I think it was John Acuff, uh, an author, who posted a picture of like a royalties check he got, and it was like for five or ten bucks or something. Like it was something <laughs> laughably small. I don't know what book it was yeah. from, but he was trying to say like if you're writing for the money. Like, look yeah. at the check that I got, <laughs> yeah, meaning yeah. that like he'd, he'd received his advance, but I guess this was a check on the other side of it, of it making more money later. And it was only a few dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna pay all his bills. So, but speaking about the money stuff, if we can pivot over to speakers for a few minutes, um, what are some ways, um, you know, it, and and maybe in the faith based Christian space, it's it's always money is a little bit of a weird thing, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like well it's ministry and you're here to help and you're serving at a church or a Christian event, but ultimately if we're doing something um, that's our job, um, how is yeah. it that you find people could um, get more money for the thing they do? So they're getting speaking stuff, but you know what they're probably maybe. Um, not making enough money to really make this viable for them. What are some things that, that you can talk about in that negotiation to, um, an event to see if they might have a little bit more money to pay you? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it depends on what your value adds are. So if you're someone that has, you know, 
a certain advanced degree or you've been in the specific industry they're asking you to speak on for X amount of years or, you know, you are just a really gifted speaker and maybe it is in the faith-based world and, you know, a church is going, well, shouldn't you just be happy to be led on our stage, you know? Um, so yes, I'm greatly honored by that. Um, but just so you know, like this is time away from my family. I spend X amount of hours preparing for this talk. Um, it's me, you know, leaving my office for a day and a night or whatever. Um, you know, and so that's the kind of thing that we do for our speakers. Cause we do, I joke that we had one event offer to pay, um, one of our speakers in cupcakes. Oh my. <laughs> Well, thank you. They do have a sweet tooth. However, this person runs a company. They have a family. Um, this is X amount of days on the road. Um, and so yeah. we want to compensate our speakers for their time. And it's not that's not always fun to say, um, you know, on your own behalf. But most people, I think, especially, you know, you do see it the most in the faith-based world, but I think it's it can be in the business and, and events world too. So many people want to speak. And so if you're working with someone who's like, I wish someone would ask me, you know, they're, they're, you know, doing the admin. They'll stuff do it for, for, for nothing. Yeah. yeah. But you have the skill and you've worked at it. And so if you know that you have the skill, you have the expertise, I think there's ways to just, you know, whether it's beefing up your bio or having, you know, you might, if you don't have a team, you, maybe you, you know, invest a little bit in having a friend who will just kind of you can ghostwrite the emails for them, but just kind of act as a buffer. There is a certain level of like legitimacy. That's why people want to be on our agency site because yeah. there's something that just automatically in the mind of the, the host or the buyer, when they see, Oh, Joanna is a speaker with punchline speakers. She obviously has done something credible enough that they see a value in having her. And so baseline, we, we rarely get people saying, will you have our speaker come for free? Because they already know they're part of an agency. Whereas if you just were, you know, getting a direct message through Instagram, there would probably be a higher percentage of people being like, Hey, do you want this opportunity? I can give you this opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I remember one time speaking at an event for multiple days, um, across the country and I was paid in a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> I got that a, was I got a twenty dollar Amazon gift card once. So yeah. how much was your how much was Starbucks? I, I think it was like it, it was either twenty five or fifty. I don't remember <laughs> anymore. It was a long time long time ago. But that's when I learned like oh, we need to talk about this before yeah. I go out there. And that was very yeah. I was just learning how to do this. And yeah. so. Yeah, money is can be an awkward conversation if you want to make it an awkward conversation. But I think it can also, yeah. you know, and that's yeah, a good tip. Have your graciously. friend, have your friend do it. <laughs> yeah, there, it's 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 just an automatic buffer, you know, and it it just it can always. I mean, we try to add humor into our emails and be gracious and kind. You can always be kind, but you can clearly state what it is that you yeah. or your speaker needs. Um, and I I think. You know, if you have a friend that will, you know, just say, hey, I'll give you 5% or 10% or whatever, um, you know, for my speaking engagements, if you will handle the admin for me, I think you'll see that that friend's buffer will actually get you that margin of what you were going to pay them anyways. So yeah. um, it, it might be worth it. Yeah. Um, one last question I'm curious about in this is if 
people are going to speak, what are some things that they can do that leaves a really good impression with the the host, the event, the audience? Um, you know, the kind of thing that makes people say, I think this person was awesome. We'd want to have them back if we could, or we'd speak well of this person. I mean, beyond just like yeah. you gave a great talk. I'm talking more like, yeah. I guess, it's assume you're going to give a great presentation, but off stage, uh, what are some things that you would maybe maybe because you've seen the opposite? <laughs> um, yeah. What are some things you would would coach people to do? Yeah. Well, one. I mean, my absolute favorite thing to do is to review people's um, talks. Like if they have videos of them speaking, um, I absolutely love giving feedback and helping people refine their message, heighten their message. But one of the things that I often will come back to is is saying. Because I feel like I can get a, you know, if I, if you and I met together, had a consultation together, I kind of get a vibe for how you communicate naturally. And then if I saw a video of you speaking on stage and I felt like it wasn't a natural version of you, I'd be able to guide you and help you become your best self on the stage. Um, I think there's so many people out there that are trying to be something that they see and that they like. And I'm like, if you're academic, you stand behind that podium and you can read your talk, but you can read your talk in a very engaging way. And if you're funny and you like theater, bring in props, be theatrical, you know? Yeah. Um, so it that same thing would apply offstage. Just truly try to be yourself. And if yourself is a really terrible person, people aren't going to – there's nothing you can do. <laughs> but if your true natural self is – you know, uh, you, you're there because you love this certain area of, you know, that you're an expert in, or you love God's word or whatever it is, just be, be the expert, be the, but not arrogantly, but just like be kind to people. Don't think of yourself as like, okay, they brought me in here because I'm smarter than everybody, but you have this expertise, be willing to do an extra Q and a and talk with people. Um, be willing to like do a book signing, be willing to like, do the, if they've already paid you and there's a certain amount of time that you can be there before you have to catch your flight, be really gracious and go, I, you know, you have to have boundaries. But for the most part, what most of our speakers will say is like, okay, if this person's booked me to come in, I'll do my keynote. And then as many extra little things that I don't necessarily have to prep an entire another talk for, but as many extra things as I can do for them, I will do. Um, and so that to me feels feels like it's a marker of people being like, wow, this person went above and beyond. Um, so that's kind of an approach that a lot of our speakers take and we relay on their behalf of like, hey, if they're there, you want them to do a Q&A or this little meet and greet kind of thing, like that's just to just be generous with your time. You're already there. That's what yeah. you're there for. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're. that is what you're there for. And it's yeah. those relationships. You never know, I guess, too, who might um, – who you might connect with in that way that has another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. Totally. Um, I would say a simple thing would just be, you know, if they do have a green room for you, you, you know, I would need, before I spoke, I always needed time to focus on my notes and I just would ask, can I have a quiet space where I can go? Um, so you can still have boundaries of things that you, you need to be successful on stage. But I also think then afterwards when you're there, like we're saying, like, don't be on your phone be fully present, be willing to talk with whoever, because as you just said, you never know who might be connected to who. And if you're wanting to speak more, tweeting about it probably isn't as 
effective as that, like I said, relationship determines response. You make five, 10 new friends there, they are going to be your advocates. That's going to be so much more effective than that you down on your, you know, sending off an email because you're so important. Oh, I've got to be looking at my laptop. Like, just don't be important that day. You might be the expert that they brought in, but don't act like you're better than everybody else. It's probably a good rule for, uh, for, for most of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and even, even with the, um, how you're talking about this idea of, you know, 20 people and you're going to send them a little bit about yourself and see if they have connections for, um, yeah. speaking. I just felt, I'm like, that's great advice for dating. If people yes. are looking at me, if people are, it's great advice for a job. It's great advice. It's, it's what I'm hearing is relation. The relational side of it is, mm-hmm is something that we have to, it's not just the skill excellence, the business yeah. side, it's the people, people, people. Yeah. Let's find my husband. I did a summer, uh, it was like a date, a summer fun dating binge type thing where I just told everybody, I was like, set me up with anybody. I'm doing online dating. You can set me up with you, the ugliest person, you know, like I'm just going to give every <laughs> opportunity a chance. And it was exhausting. Like there was literally a point where I was texting my mom and I was like, if I have to ask somebody how many siblings they have and where they grew up one more time, but it was just like, I immersed myself, even people I didn't want to go out with. And I knew, I knew of my husband, he, he went to our church and I, I had had people like tell me about him, but I wasn't interested in him. And, but I had committed, I had said, I'm going to go out with whoever. And now, and it worked. Married. It's so good. <laughs> he, okay. He'll look at me sometimes and he'll just go, Remember when you didn't want to date me? <laughs> oh. um, Joy, people are going to want to find you on the internet. Uh, they're going to want to check out what you do, and maybe they want to bring on one of your speakers to an event they're doing or something. So um, where do people find you? They can go to punchlineagency.com. Um, and just for my personal social media, it's just at Joy Egerich, which is E-G-G-E-R-I-C-H-S. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll link some of that in the show notes, especially if people can't spell your name. People have trouble with my name too, so I understand. Um, well, thank you so much for the conversation. I think it's really going to help some people uh, be pointed in the right direction and encourage a lot of people who are speaking and writing and want to grow in that. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. And I and as you mentioned, you know, I am full with literary projects right now, but I, I love hearing from people. So if people do have questions and there is a way that we can help them, please do send me a note and uh, I might be able to connect you with somebody who can. So awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much to Joy for that conversation. I think it just kind of demystifies and gets some clarity for all of us who are maybe looking to be more professional in our communication and how to go about doing that with an agent. And so I love talking to a real agent and getting to learn more about that from her. You can follow her, of course, on all the social media content that we're going to link below. Uh, She's a really fun follow on Instagram. If you want to follow her, I recommend it. Next week, It's our last episode of the season. And so just as we did with season two, I heard a ton of positive feedback about this. So at the end of season three, next week, we're going to turn the tables and next week I'm being interviewed. (laughs) So I'm going to give some insights into what I've been learning in the last seven or eight months of branching out and doing church communications and creative work. Um, with so many amazing organizations really all over Canada and beyond Canada in the UK and in the US. And it's, um, I hope, something that will give you some practical ideas about what that might look like 
if you're thinking about doing similar things. So next week, the last episode, and I'm also going to give, of course, some heads up of what's coming up and what you can expect for season four and when that's going to launch. Thanks so much to the partners that make Word Made Digital possible this season. I want you to join 1,500 young adults at the ninth annual Fluid Young Adults Gathering. It's Saturday, March 7th, 2020, so it's coming up really soon in Toronto. If you're in the Toronto area or can get to the Toronto area, go to fluidgathering.com to check out more information about that amazing conference. I'm going to be there. I want to see you there. Let me know if you're going to be there. Also, speaking of things like that, Compassion is still looking for volunteers in Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, and Vancouver. So you can email volunteer at compassion.ca to find out more about this King and Country tour and how you can go to a sold out tour by volunteering with Compassion. But hey, of course, if Compassion concerts aren't your thing compassion volunteering in general is always available to you check out the link below for more info thanks of course to Wycliffe College who has been with me since second season of this podcast I love this school and I would recommend it to anyone who's considering seminary in their future or maybe even just taking a course to learn more about bible theology church history church leadership all that kind of stuff so you can go to wickliffecollege.ca slash digital to find out more about that okay we'll see you next week for the last episode of the season thanks for listening to the word made digital podcast with joanna lafleur If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world. 